You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your home, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today's special guest is Lorena Seidel. Lorena is a social emotional learning consultant, a certified Montessori teacher, and a trained positive discipline educator. She has had a beautiful journey that she shares with me in this interview. And I invite you to listen in because it is really a beautiful, uh, for me, explanation of what this art of parenting is really all about, is this dance that we have about accepting ourselves, accepting our children, forgiving ourselves, forgiving our children, and just the inner work that it takes to be a mindful parent. So Lorena is also the author of a book called The Purposeful Child, A Quick and Practical Parenting Guide to Creating the Optimal Home Environment for Young Children. She also has a Waldorf education background, so she is just full of wonderful wisdom that I invite you to listen in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Parenting. Today, my special guest is Lorena Seidel. Lorena, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And uh, I just have to say thank you for your support with this podcast. I know you've been a, a kind of a supporter, a fan on the sidelines since I announced that I wanted to do this. So it's a thrill to actually have you here as a guest. Oh, it's so nice. It's a pleasure to me and I, I couldn't miss it. I would love I love everything that you do and I would always love to support you and participate and you can invite me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lorena, I would love for um, us to just get going, and I have a, a few questions that uh, I wanted to ans- ask you. And one is really, what are your thoughts, or how do you define the art of parenting? You know, I love this question. It really made me think. <laughs> I, I hadn't, um, you know, thought about the art of parenting, and what I think. Um, to me, the art of parent would be is really the art of forgiving and accepting ourselves um, as parents, and especially in those moments when we're not being the parent that we would like to be, that we wish to be. And then also the art of forgiving and accepting our children uh, when they are going through those moments when they're not being or doing what we wish <laughs> that they were being or doing. And I think that, you know, parenting usually smacks us in the face and gives us this opportunity to grow, to 
heal our own inner child. And then it gives us the opportunity to teach our children and learn from our children. I think that, you know, the the art of parenting to me is really um, having my, my children as my teachers as much as I am teaching them. Beautiful. That's sort of, to me, the the art of parenting. And that is so beautiful because it truly is this dance, you know, when you, we, when you say forgive and accept, it's, it's about being in the flow and, and just like you say, being guided by our children as well. So that's beautiful. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So before we get uh, a little bit too involved in our conversation, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself to our listeners and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Sure. Well, um, I think it all started to me in my childhood even. (laughs) I was raised in a very traditional upbringing and my parents were very authoritarian and I was raised with a lot of shaming and blaming and threatening and punishments, even lots of spanking growing up. And I knew that when I um, become a mom, I wouldn't want to be that way, that I wanted to be different. And I sort of promised myself I would do differently. And then when I had children of my own, um, I had already the background as a Montessori teacher for several years, and I had transformed my home into an inspired Montessori environment for my first child before she was even born. And because my background was in education and I had this master thesis in social-emotional learning, I felt so confident about being a mom, and I think I was overly confident. <laughs> I thought I was going to be just fine and that this was going to be easy. And it was until I had my second daughter. They are only 18 months apart. And then I was so tired by, you know, just having the new baby and having to, you know, deal and handle the the toddler who then at that point started to, you know, be jealous of the baby, not listen, have tantrums. All of a sudden, everything changed. Um, I think I had a pretty a pretty easy first child, and everything seemed to be so fine until I had the second. And then all of a sudden, I I realized that I was becoming that person, that mom that I didn't want to be. That I was yelling and I was threatening and I was punishing and. I just knew that to me that was just so important to to do a good job and to better myself and to figure out another way because I didn't want to replicate that. And I think that you know, part, so many of us are conditioned and we're programmed and we learned so much of our behavior is learned behavior that it's often so hard to break out of those bad parenting habits and to really change the way that we interact with our kids. So for me, I had to dive really much deeper. I tried all the things. <laughs> so I end up uh, joining a uh, parent-toddler class that was actually part of a Waldorf program that was just beautiful and so calm and peaceful. 
I learned about positive discipline, ended up becoming certified as a positive discipline educator for parents and then later for teachers. I dove right back into all of my research for my master thesis because when I wrote it, I wasn't a parent. So I just knew the theory, but not the practical side of it, of things. So I read all the books again and I just was trying to change my entire lifestyle. I wanted to um, create a nice rhythm. I was trying to have less things, minimize my home. I was just trying to apply anything that I could get my hands on and trying from all angles to see if I could, you know, find my groove and become a calmer mom. And I was baking bread, making tea, trying to sing sweet songs and being a storyteller. I was trying too hard. And it was <laughs> and then um, I decided that it, I realized that it didn't all the tips and the tools and the tricks and even copious amount of yoga would not really, you know, it, it couldn't change me until I changed my mindset. And I needed to release my own emotional baggage and my emotional traumas and my limiting beliefs, my negative, um, you know, patterns of interactions that I had. And then when I did that, I was able to create this more peaceful, more positive parent, but I was also able to sustain it for longer periods of time because I could always create that nice, beautiful parenting, but then I would fall off the wagon. <laughs> and then I would be feeling, you know, going to bed, feeling guilty about myself, just like many moms do. So when I figured out how to work on me, and you know, I did that inner work, and I was able to apply the tools that I learned from positive discipline and all the other hundreds of books I've read. And then I created the connection with my children was when I finally felt like I cracked the code. I was, I figured out the way to create the connection and the harmony, sustain it, and then repair every time that inevitably things break down. I was able to recover from it a lot quicker. And then I started to just share it <laughs> with other moms well, yes, and 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 thank you for 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 that because it sounds like it was you know really deep work. When when I often say that we come to our parenting with the only manual that we have is really our own childhood, our own kind of upbringing, and that's how we we show up for our children. So it sounds like you just you know, took it so much further in, in kind of wanting to, to undo that and really evolve, which, which to me is what parenting is all about is every generation is going to evolve to another level. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And so you, you, I'm, I'm just intrigued and about this whole, when you say the inner work, like what did it really take you to, like you say, crack the code? I did a lot of, I used several different mindfulness tools, but I felt that meditation was something that helped a lot uh, when I was trying to just look into myself and, you know, really being able to accept myself. I also used, I don't know if you've heard about, but um, emotional freedom technique, EFT. That's the, the tapping? tapping. The yes. tapping. Mm -hmm. I 
that that was really good at helping me just release a lot of that old stories and old negative memories and just beliefs that I had. And then also just the practice of doing it over. For me, it was really when I started looking at my parenting as an opportunity to grow. I started to look at every challenge as here is my time. This is now I can I can practice this. And then I would often not get it right, of course, because in the heat of the moment, we don't always remember the right thing to say and do. So you don't get it right. But then I practiced the doing it over. I would just take take some time to think about how can I do this again? And I did a lot of going back to my children and just processing it and talking and fixing. So I have an example. Um, it's the, the, I call it the bunny story. The bunny story? Funny uh-huh. story. When oldest was four, she wanted to have a pet. And we ended up getting a bunny. We named him Coconut. Everybody was happy. And then a few days after we got the bunny, I walked into the living room and she was holding this bunny by the hind legs and shaking it up and down. And in that moment, I felt like in 20 seconds, I did all the wrong things. I was just terrified that she was doing that. And I was triggered by it. (laughs) And I, I shamed and blamed. So I said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is so mean. And then I threatened. I said, do we need to give this bunny to another family with nicer little girls? I know. And then I sent her away. I said, you know what? Just go to your room. I can't even look at you right now. So I gave it a timeout. And 20 seconds to shame and blame and threaten and then punish, right? Send her on a timeout. And of course, I felt horrible. And I was like, Lorena, you know better. You study this. This is what you do. And I can't believe you're still falling off the wagon like this. And I took some time, just a few minutes, and I just reached, tried to get within myself. And I realized that there was a moment when I was a child that I had done something mean to some kittens once. And uh, it's silly, but you've heard that cats always fall on their fours, right? So I lift the the, the little kittens and then let them go, let them drop just to see if they would really fall on their fours, which was so mean. But as a child, we do those things. We don't, we don't, we just don't know better. And I remember that. And then I started to think that, you know, she's always had stuffed animals up to this day. And I didn't really take a lot of time to practice with her, to train her on how to have a pet and what she could do with that bunny. And so I decided to call her back. And then when she came in, I got down to her level. I put my hand on her shoulder. I looked at her in the eye and I said, Pollyanna, you know what? When I was a little girl, I did something mean to some kittens once. And in that second, that moment, I could see the way lifting off her shoulder, the spark in her eye. And she said, oh, mom, I'm not mean. And I said, no, you you did something mean, but you're not mean. And then I said, you know what? We didn't go over what we can do with this bunny. So let's brainstorm. Let's just see what are some of the things that you could do with this bunny. And then together we wrote a small list of things. And she said she could 
feed the bunny. She could help me clean the cage. She could hold the bunny. She could take the bunny outside to exercise and on and on. So we found some productive things she could do with the bunny. And then I apologized and I told her that you know, I shouldn't have talked to her that way and that she didn't deserve it. Um, and, and that was it. We reconnected. So when I look at that, this example, I feel that the first time, the first take when I shamed, blamed, and threatened, and then punished her, when I think of what could she be re- learning from that, and I know that all parents, after working with hundreds of parents and thousands of teachers, I know that we adults, we want to raise good human beings. We want children who are confident and capable and resilient and empathetic and thinkers, problem solvers. We want just good people. And when I asked myself, what what was she learning from this approach? And I realized she wasn't learning any of that. She wasn't learning to be more responsible, to be more respectful, to be kinder, to be any of that. And I wasn't role modeling that either when she wasn't learning kindness or respect from me. I wasn't emotionally stable if I'm yelling at her. So she's not learning that. And I realized that that was just really unproductive. (laughs) And I think that that really hit me when I was able to see that. And then when I approached it again, and I did the second take, and I connected, I validated her, I shared a story from my past, and we brainstormed solutions, and I apologized, I realized that then she was learning what responsibility was really all about. She was learning to problem solve, to think, and I was role modeling respect and kindness and empathy and emotional stability. So I was teaching her that and role modeling it. So that was really the work. That was the, the this constant practice of you know, looking at my parenting and seeing this is my opportunity to to teach her and to learn and to practice this new rewire myself. I need to rewire my brain. So let me ask you, though, now that you you're aware of that and you, you know, you've you've experienced that you've you've kind of repaired it. Let's I, and I'm just you know I I always have kind of my listeners' questions in my head where it's like. Okay, so this is happening for the first time. You now walk into a room where you see your child mistreating a family pet. How do you react the first time? Oh, so that's the that's the key point. We we know we always know what we should do. <laughs> What would be, you know, we can start to see, we can validate the child. We can say something like, you know, I can see that you want to play with this bunny. Let me show you a better way to play with this bunny. Uh, I think the bunny is not happy. It doesn't seem like the bunny is liking this. So, of course, there are many things that we can say in that first time, which I didn't do. <laughs> and I think that really the secret is that giving moms that permission to to know that they don't have to get it right every time in the first time, that there's always another chance that they can always, you know, if they don't get it right the first time, they can always try it again and do it again. But of course, the very first time, I would recommend that you try to see the behavior and understand that behavior is communication. There are often children are behaving the way they're behaving because 
that's their age or their developmental appropriate stage or their skills that are lacking. So they're making poor choices and they are being humans and, you know, making mistakes. So it's and, and and for me, if I may say, it's it's not that it's ne- necessarily poor choices. It's just their role right now is to explore and to investigate and to figure things out. And you know, like you said, she she didn't know any better because she had had stuffed animals, and that's you know that's what you do. <laughs> and so it's really if we can get into that mindset of this young human is exploring and trying to figure things out, and that we are really their guides. And so it's really about oh, I see that you're, you know, you're you're experimenting. Let me show you how to properly hold the bunny, kind of thing. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so true. That that's one of the misconceptions that we have as parents is that children, when they are misbehaving, that they are bad, or that you know they need to be they need to pay for what they've done, so they need to be punished, or they won't learn how to be a better person, right? And we often we come from this place. Most of us, the, we know that research shows us that in America, the common parenting tools are yelling and shaming and blaming and threatening and bribing and rewarding and punishing. So we do those things because we're trying to modify their behavior. But if we can just approach the behavior as communication, behavior that behavior is just showing me that she's not ready, that she wasn't prepared, that I didn't prepare her, that I didn't set her up for success. So that behavior is just, now I look at the behavior and I just look behind it. Okay, what what is this telling me about my child and what is this telling me about me? <laughs> then you can then you can approach from an intentional place when you when you can see it from that place. But often, so I often tell parents that there is no bad children. There's only two types of children. There's good children and then good children who is either struggling or hurting. <laughs> you know, they're just not feeling good about themselves or they just don't have the skills and they're just struggling. Yes, um, yes, so true, so true. That is beautiful. Thank you for that. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Do you ever feel like you're doing this parenting thing alone, tired of searching the web for answers to all your parenting questions? Well, I've got you covered. You and I know it does take a village to raise a child, and I'd like to invite you to yours. Be the calm, confident, and peaceful parent you want to be with the support of my parenting membership community. Get all the support you deserve and create the family and home you've been dreaming of. In my parenting community, I share all the tools and strategies I've acquired over my many years of mentoring and helping families find their peace of mind and enjoy a stress-free family life. I've created this community for you to be the parent you want to be. Let go of the stress and overwhelm today and enjoy your parenting journey with your beautiful children. You both deserve it. In this community, you will find video tutorials that answer your parenting concerns and teach you how to support your child's healthy development, monthly group coaching calls with me and all the other supportive members where I personally answer all your burning parenting questions, 
My parenting toolkit, which is full of resources that I've created over my many years of mentoring and speaking to parents and professionals worldwide. And what I love most about my parenting membership community is the amazing supportive village you can lean on. You and I know parenting was never meant to be done alone. So come meet your tribe in the supportive and encouraging village of like-minded parents. It's open 24 hours, 7, just for you. Visit voilamontessori.com slash membership for more information and come join me today to become the parent you know you are meant to be. So just... I, there, there's so many other questions that I have around the, the work that you do in really this idea of, you know, being intentional and really conscious about where we're coming from as well. Like the, the, the inner, the inner work and healing maybe our own childhood. Mm-hmm. Is there um, something that you feel, um, that parents do unknowingly that hinder their children's natural development? I mean, I know you've touched a little bit about it, but you do talk a lot about, you know, emotional intelligence and how we can really create that in our families. Mm -hmm. So is there um, kind of advice or maybe uh, pinpointing some of the things that parents could be a little bit more aware of to really enhance that emotional intelligence at home. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that for me, when I when I try to explain to parents the importance of emotional intelligence, and of course now there's so much research supporting that that emotional intelligence really is the difference that makes the difference because we we need to be able to manage our feelings, our emotions. We need to help our children be able to identify their feelings and emotions, name them, and then manage them. And uh, we know that that will help us be successful in life. And the emotional intelligence, when we think of social-emotional learning and the social-emotional skills, I explain that it's really teaching children what they couldn't learn from a book. Uh, I always tell the, the parents and the teachers I work with that I'm the teacher that teaches the stuff that they can learn from a book. So if they, if a child is struggling with math or reading or writing, you can always get a tutor, right? You can help them. But if they are struggling with resilience and with their confidence, with their independence, with their sense of um, responsibility or their emotional stability, their self-regulation, we don't have a tutor for it. <laughs> we don't have. These are the skills that we want to develop in our children that can really make the difference. And we know that for the 21st century lifestyle and jobs, what we what we need to provide our children and equip them is with this ability to be resilient and empathetic and kind and creatives and collaborators and have a mindful communication and emotional stability and all that. So I find that parents often focus a whole lot on the physical development of the children and the intellectual development of the children. From the moment that they are little, we are so worried about, and for very good reasons, of course, <laughs> we're so worried about what they eat, what, how 
they are their physical environment is set up we are worried about their bodies and then as they grow we're worried about what they're learning and how can we give them everything they need and how can we get them to learn everything we think they need to learn and then as they are growing we spend so many hours sending them to school to learn <laughs> the intellectual um, skills and then after school we send them to do physical things so they can play um, you know, a sport or they can do things. And we focus so much on that, which is great. Um, and it's all wonderful. But there's very little focus on teaching our children, actively teaching them the part of the mind and this the, this psychological, the emotional um, abilities that they need to develop. And an example that I give is I learned from um, a psychologist that I love. His name is Guy Winch. And he talks about emotional hygiene. He explains that you, he was watching a five-year-old and this five-year-old was brushing his teeth and he fell off the stool that he was standing on in the bathroom and he scraped his leg. And he cried for a little bit, but he got back right up back up and reached out into the medicine cabinet, got a Band-Aid, put it on his scrape, and he kept on brushing his teeth. And he realized that as a five-year-old, children already know that they need to brush twice a day and that they they know how to take care of a physical injury, right? Of uh, a scrape, for example. And then he was wondering how much do our five-year-olds know about their emotional hygiene, how to take care of their emotional injuries. And emotional injuries here are failure or rejection, loneliness, um, things like that. Those are our emotional um, injuries that we suffer every day. <laughs> and we really, um, if we think about um, how much do a five-year-old really know about how to handle that, how to fix that, or how to navigate those situations, and it is very little because I think, and and, and I would actually say, how many adults know how to do some yeah. emotional hygiene? So that's that's very powerful. It is, and he even gives an example that's really um, interesting. Uh, since you mentioned adults, because yes, we still lack a lot of those skills ourselves, and he explained that there was this woman. Um, who had gone through a very difficult divorce and she was finally going out on a date again with someone. And that very first date, 10 minutes into the date, the man gets up from the bar and just looks at her and tells her that it's not going to work and he leaves. And this woman is crushed. She'd just been rejected. And she calls a friend and the friend tells her, well, but you're not that attractive and or interesting. Why would a man like this want to spend time with you? Oh my goodness, and, what a friend. Exactly. <laughs> That's terrible. I know. And isn't that shocking to think that a friend would say that? And yeah. the the truth is that it it seems really shocking to think a friend would say that, but it really wasn't a friend who said that. It was what she told herself. Oh. And when yeah. and when we see that, that if it was coming from a friend, it would be something that is horrible. But because it comes from ourselves and we often have that negative inner voice and we say those hard, the harsh things to ourselves, 
it's sort of okay in our society. <laughs> and we don't we don't learn how to navigate those emotional injuries in a way that helps us. We would never make a physical injury worse. If we scrape something, we wouldn't make it worse. We wouldn't pour something on it to make it hurt even more. We, we would try to heal it. But when it's an emotional injury, we actually do things to make it worse. We tell ourselves the most horrible things <laughs> instead of guiding ourselves to navigate that in a, in a you know, productive way. Right, and, right. And- yeah. So, so you're, you're saying that, you know, that at home, it's really important to work on this emotional intelligence. And, and from what you're, you're describing from the very beginning, it really starts with us. It really starts with doing that inner work and really modeling to our children what it is to, you know, accept our own failures or make a mistake or even, you know, I often say to parents, like, it's okay to apologize to our children. We have this this taboo that, you know, if we make a mistake, we just have to be stoic about it and, and move on. But yeah. to me, it's about really being raw and being, you know, in front of our children saying, I've made a mistake, and I'm going to try better next time so that they are also learning that it is okay to make mistakes and that mistakes are always opportunities to improve ourselves and to learn from. Yes, I think that that's a, a, an important point. That's wonderful. And that's the art of parenting I was sort of um, thinking about and trying to describe in the beginning that forgiveness and acceptance of ourselves and of our children. And I think the apologizing to our children and really asking for their forgiveness is a huge piece of that, that many parents uh, miss out on. <laughs> we think that we need to just be always right. And if we want them to respect us, we shouldn't admit to our mistakes, which is a huge, another huge misconception. And that, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Lorena, this has been wonderful. And I know we could go on for for more time. But just in the essence of time, I wanted to wrap up. And just if there's one takeaway you want our listeners to remember, what would that be today? Well, I would want um, parents, the moms, caregivers, grandparents, whoever um, is having a relationship with their children, to to know that we all want a peaceful world, right? We all want um, to to have that, and that a peaceful world starts with a peaceful home. And I think that we often forget that. <laughs> and we are trying to teach our children to be better and to be good human beings uh, while all along we are not having that in our homes. Often our homes can be um, a place where we do a lot of a lot of hurting <laughs> and a lot of emotional um, hurting. Some of the research shows us that we spend most of our adult lives just trying to deal with the impact of the first 10 years, the first decade. Mm. So I would leave parents with that and not for them to feel a sense of shame or guilt or, you know, not from, not from that place, but just really to understand that 
our main goal um, should be to create this positive and peaceful relationship with our children and learning the ways to sustain that and then to repair that and heal when we inevitably, you know, things break down. Uh, so I would really, um, if I could, like if I could go back when I was expecting my children, I wish I had um, spent more time uh, learning these things, learning how to have a, a positive relationship with my children, a peaceful home, uh, then researching the best stroller and yes, yes. putting together yeah. my wish list for my registry with a bunch of things I didn't need <laughs> or planning my birth plan, which is all great. But, you know, when you come home from the hospital and and, and so many of us, we leave the hospital ill-equipped and we don't know what to do for the next 18 years. <laughs> and we spend the whole pregnancy uh, trying to learn and prepare for the birth, which is a huge piece and it's amazing. And I, I value that so much. But I would use some of that time too to learn how to, what do I do then <laughs> for the next 18 years? Right. Yes. And that's very, that's very powerful about just the, the preparation of, of the, the art of parenting, really, what is, what goes beyond the birth, because it's true that the birth is going to be, you know, a few hours for, for some, it's, it's a few too many hours, but uh, it is, it is a moment. And then from there starts a whole lifetime. And that whole emotional, evolution is definitely a big, big part of it. So thank you. This has been wonderful, Lorena. And I would love for you to just share with um, our listeners how we can continue following you and your work. So you could all join my free mini training. And I'll give you the link so you can um, pass it along to them. But it's a five-day free mini training where they can take a taste of what they can do to break those you know, negative cycles and patterns of interactions that we usually get caught up on when we are, especially if we're tired, triggered, and stressed, which is all the time if we're moms, <laughs> we, get, mm -hmm. we end up getting caught in this negative cycle that we don't know how to break out. And this five-day mini, mini training helps you not just break out of this negative cycle of interaction, but also to create a positive cycle of interaction and be able to um, you know, really create the connection, sustain it, and repair. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today and for all of the amazing work that you do for parents on the entire planet. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time. <laughs>